Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. It's Wednesday, July 14th here. Mike Rutherford in Louisville, Kentucky. Danny Snard in Columbus, Ohio. And Dan, we missed a birthday, man. We're in this uh, that glorious like month and a half period of the year where we're the same age. Uh, welcome to the 36th Club. How was the B-Day? Uh, it was good. It was nice. I played a little golf, um, so can never go wrong there. But yeah, I mean, 36 is just one of those birthdays that, I mean, it's like the ultimate gloss over birthday. Nobody cares at all, which is how I actually prefer it. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, me and you get to share this for about one month, the annual one month being the same age tradition here. But, uh, yeah, my wife says that I'm, I'm already acting older. I have no idea what that means. I, she said I'm more cranky. So, um, buckle up, world. Here I come. I guess I'm pissed off all the time. Can I just say, I, I don't know if it's the having, like, the three kids now. You have aced a lot in the past year. Like, your takes have become, like, super old dad takes. Like, I feel like any day now you're going to be mad at Fernando Tatis for flipping his bat and stuff. Like, you, you've definitely you definitely put on some old man takes in, in recent months especially. Well, I, I think a couple of things. I mean, the three kids will definitely do that to you, but – I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's the, uh, the air here and, and the maturity of Dublin, Ohio that maybe I've grown up <laughs> and become a man. Um, but I don't know. I was FaceTime with my dad like a couple of weeks ago. He's like, you're getting awfully gray. I was like, thanks, dad. So, uh, apparently this is actually happening. I'm aging quickly. Um, I've been there too. I got the gray and the beard started coming in a few years ago and I'm like, you already took my hair. Like, just just let me keep the color of the beard for a few more years, please. I haven't seen you in a couple of months. I mean, like the the new haircut. Are you just like all in? Like this is this is how it is for the rest of life now. Yeah, this is me now. Like I just uh, went ahead and punted. Just just brought it on home. Shaved the head. Um, not a full shave. It's like the the buzz. I'm too lazy to do the full shave because I don't want to keep up with it every day. But yeah, it's a uh, you know you got to know when to say when and. It was time. It was beyond time, actually. I, I am excited to see it live in a couple of weeks. Should be uh, my first glimpse at shaved head Mike Rutherford. Should be a good time. Yeah, we got to talk about that for a second. And we have plenty of stuff to get to. We're going to talk Marcus Carr. We're going to talk about uh, some very new developments with Kofi Coburn in Kentucky that we have to talk about. And then we're going to take some questions. But uh, I, we are, the Rutherfords are coming north to hang out with the Sonars for a couple of nights, uh, I guess, next weekend. And this leads me to, like, we're obviously very excited about this, but I've got to talk about the fact that since the, really since April, since we took that mini vacation to Florida, our daughter is just not sleeping. And I know, every, like, everybody says the same thing. They're like, oh, yeah, same thing. Like, I have to get up at 4 a.m. like every other night. She doesn't sleep. This is, this is not that. She gets up, like, seven times every single night, and she has to be rocked to sleep and she fights it, and when you put her down in the crib, she gets up. Like, I have not been sleeping for the past two months at all. Like, it has been awful. And so, as excited as we are to come hang out with you guys, we are terrified for our parents to come here, and and they're both going to keep her for one night. And we were always that couple, like, you know, we were like, when we have kids, we're not going to be the parents that can never leave our child, and we're always going to be doing stuff. But COVID happened, so we didn't get a chance to get away. So while independently, like both Mary and I have spent multiple nights away from Virginia, like there's always been one of us with her. Like she's always had one of us around. We've never both been away for a weekend. And so we're going to do that. And it happens to come at this time where like she's just 
not sleeping at all. We went on vacation in, in June, the full week, and she got in the bad habit of sleeping in the bed with us, and now that's all she wants to do. So a couple of nights ago, we're like, all right, like, like we've got to do something here. The time has come. Drastic times call for drastic measures. So at midnight, Mary, it, it literally was like a like a general in a movie or something. She's like, I'm sick of this shit. Like, like we're putting an end to this right fucking now. Like, she like, she like, she like, she like gets up, and she goes in there, and she's just sitting outside of, of Virginia's crib, and she's like, you've got to lie down and close your eyes, and, like, we're going to do it together. And finally, after, like, coaxing her and coaxing her, she lies down herself, and she starts to go to sleep a little bit. We end up taking turns. Like, we're doing this off and on. And I know you've had this thing, too, where, like, you have to go in and kind of, like, lie down next to her bed or next to her crib. Oh, yeah. Do the army crawl out of the room, basically. Exactly. Exactly. So I go in there after Mary needs to tap out. And, like, I'm – and Virginia's, like – she's, like, hysterical. She's, like, sing songs, Peppa Pig songs. I'm, like, I don't know any Peppa Pig songs. We're going we're gonna to sing Goodnight Daniel from Daniel Tiger 30 times in a row. So I do that from, like, 1 to 4 a.m. The next night – this is Monday night, I guess – like, I've got the monitor out. She, It's 1 a.m. She's kind of put herself down one time already, which was awesome, but it's 1 a.m. She's full-on standing up. She's doing the mommy and daddy scream. And after, like, two minutes, she puts herself down and goes to sleep. And I'm not lying when I say, like, the feeling was akin to when we won the national title in basketball. <laughs> like, I, Mary sleeps through everything. I sleep through nothing, so I'm always awake. I wanted to, like, wake her up and be like, she fucking did it. She did it. Like, let's go. Like, I wanted to have a beer at 1 a.m. just to celebrate the fact that she went down and she slept pretty much through the night, which was great. She's been good the last couple of nights. So fingers crossed we're going to get over this hump and have her actually start sleeping like a normal child. Because, I mean, it's not just this week, uh, next weekend with our parents coming in. Like, we got another baby coming in. Yeah, I was like, going to say, it's like, uh, Virginia, <laughs> you're on the clock here. We got about three months where we got to straighten this out big time. But, um, Good for her. I mean, it, you know what? It, it's Kids are just wild like that. I mean, like, our, all three of my kids have been different as far as sleeping habits go. So, And they just go through stages. Like, hopefully you hit a, a, a good stage here, you know, right before the baby and when the baby's born. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely can understand the euphoria uh, of finally the kid going down by itself. And you're like, oh, geez, thank God. I was like, am I going to walk in? the morning after when she wakes up and just like be crying and be like, I'm so goddamn proud of you. Like I, I, I didn't, I was, I was so excited. I was so happy. I still am. Like it literally has made my week. Uh, the fact that she's sleeping a little bit through the night, but we're definitely making progress. So we're excited on that front. But outside of that, I know uh, you had, Cam had swimming meets. You're now a swim dad. I, I don't know how you ever got in that life, but your kid is a, he's a beast. I mean, swim life, like, I was on the swim team. I grew up in Owl Creek subdivision in Louisville, and I was on the swim team for a couple of years. I guess I was just, like, ignorant for the fact, or, or, like, I didn't really pay attention to my surroundings. But, I don't know, swim meet life is just, it's kind of a different life. You just, they're, I mean, they are, the meets are just so boring. But you go and your kid has, you know, two or three races. Um, but, uh Cam loved it. He he did really well this year. Um, I, he wants to do it next year. Like you'll learn once the kids get kind of his age. He's six, about to be seven. In the summer, you just want to get them out of the house, no matter what it is. So we're like, all right, just put him on swim team. Little did we know that he was gonna absolutely be a stud doing it. So um, maybe we found something here. But 
if he's anything like me, like he'll realize in two years, like I'm not waking up early for practice. I'm quitting this thing. But um, yeah, it was, it, it's fun to watch him, but my God, those meets drag on. You sent the video of him winning the freestyle and then getting out of the pool and staring down the kid who came in second, like Nick Castellano staring down Brandon Woodruff for the car earlier this year, which was awesome. He's, like, taking off his goggles before this kid even touches the wall and just looking at him like, you're a lesser man. Like, I'm I'm the swim king here. And he has – the thing is, he has so. no – yeah, he has no idea. That's, like, the fun part about it. Like, it, you know – whether he got first or last, all he cares about is the Hawaiian shaved ice food truck right outside. He's like, do I get my food, my shaved ice, Dad? Do I? I'm like, dude, you just dominated. That was a personal best. He's like, hurry up. Give me some dollars. I'm like, I guess that's all I'm good for. Oh, being a kid's the best. Uh, I know, it really right. is. We are, like, these are the doldrums of summer. This is famously, I know everybody knows the fact now. There are two days in the sports calendar where there are no professional sports in America. The day before the All-Star Game and the day before or day after the All-Star Game. We're now at the day after the All-Star Game. So not a whole lot going on with football. We did have some some big news, I guess, to, to kick off the week with uh, Henry Davis being selected number one overall in the MLB draft. That was awesome. Just so awesome. That's, that is really, that's awesome for the university and awesome for him, man. That's That's great. And it kind of came out of nowhere, too. Like, the, the whole buzz leading up to the draft was he might be top five. He could slip down to, like, six, seven, or eight. But nobody really had the Pirates taking him one. I think everybody thought they were going to take the lighter kid from Vandy uh, or another pitcher. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if you saw the reaction from Pirates fans. They're like, great, we're going to fuck this up now. Like, like Pirates fans like, were not excited about this at all. They were just like, we don't care who we take. Like, we're this is going to be – it was just a total – defeat a self-fulfilling prophecy they're like this guy's gonna suck now because we took him which yeah uh, we've been there as reds fans having similar thoughts but very cool now louisville has had a number one pick in the mlb nba wnba and mls drafts which it's kind of i guess surprising when that fact got tossed around a lot on sunday everybody was like well what about nfl that's got to be next what's our highest pick louisville's number or highest uh, NFL draft pick of all time is still from like I think it was 1964. Um, Ken Cordes, Ron Cordes, I, mean, I think Ken Cordes was his name, was the number nine overall pick. It's sort of surprising when you think about you know Lamar Jackson being an MVP, Jair Alexander on a lot of these like best players under 25. They have him at number one. Uh, Elvis Dumerville had some big time years. Johnny Unitas came out of the program. It's a little Devante, yeah, Devante Parker. He was pretty high. Was he like 11 or something? I don't know if he was that high. I can't remember. Um, I, I mean, a lot of people thought Makai Becton this past year was going to be um, the highest pick in all time. But it, it's sort of surprising that we haven't had somebody closer to number one or at least sort of flirting with top five. But uh, hopefully that will come soon. It kind of, I hope that that era hasn't passed us by. But we've produced a lot of talent in that sport. And still, for it not to be up there with NBA and WNBA and MLB and MLS – uh, it's, it's kind of surprising, but a total of, I think, uh, what, seven Louisville players wound up being drafted. Only five programs had more this past year, which is awesome, very cool, very marketable, but also makes the fact that we didn't make the NCAA tournament hurt a little bit more, but still uh, a cool weekend for Louisville baseball. But what do you want to get into here? Should we talk, I, I think the when I opened it up for questions on Twitter, the vast majority of questions had to do with Marcus Carr, so do you want to get into that? Yep, I, I, I think that's probably what people, you know, are, are, that's what's on everyone's mind, at least right now. Um, I, I don't know what the buzz is in Louisville. I, I just checked Twitter. 
I guess it doesn't sound too promising, but I mean, no, no decisions have been made, but I don't know what you hear on your end. If you're looking for uplifting Marcus Carr news, this probably is not the podcast for you. Maybe, maybe fast forward that. Uh, but all I can say is what I know. And I know that right now Marcus Carr is in Austin. He is taking a visit to Texas. He's, I guess he's not allowed to meet with people right now, but he's going to meet with them at some point over the next 48 hours. There's a picture floating around the internet of Chris Beard uh, sort of illegally meeting with Marcus Carr. It seems like during a dead period that has gotten a little bit of traction, but all I can tell you is, and let me preface this with things may have changed over the past week and a half or so, but as of a week and a half ago, my understanding from people who were, who, who had covered Marcus Carr and who were quote unquote close with the people around Marcus Carr was that Louisville was sort of third on the pecking order, and that's not behind another school. Like, Texas was the overwhelming favorite. These people, or, or this person, said that number two was going to play in Europe, um, and that Louisville was kind of a, a distant third there. Kansas and Kentucky, he's listing them, but they're not realistic options for him. Um, I, I don't know if things have changed since then. I know that he and, and his, uh, I hate to say, use the word handler. It feels so ridiculous and, and outdated, but uh, other people have used that. I think it's an old AAU coach that has kind of been speaking for him to reporters. He's still saying that, that Marcus is going to visit Louisville. And if you can get him out of Austin without him making a commitment to Chris Beard, then maybe you feel like you've at least got a chance because I do think you've got a lot to sell him on here. I think he could be the missing piece for a really good team in a, a city that cares about college basketball as much or more than any other in America. But if you're asking, you know, how, how am I feeling about this, the, the answer is, is not great. I'll be very surprised if he doesn't go to Texas. If for no other reason other than every time I've heard that a kid is probably going to go to Texas Tech when Beard was there, it wound up happening. Like Jamias Ramsey came here and visited and had a great visit, got to play pickup with Donovan Mitchell, and the word when he left was still like, yeah, Texas Tech's gonna, they're gonna get this kid. Like they've got stuff to offer that we don't, and that wound up happening. So uh, Beard doesn't miss many uh, when when it seems like he's got it in, and we have a history of losing guys to Texas or guys ending up to Texas. Uh, Andrew Jones, we were kind of the runner-up for him, and he's now their starting point guard. Courtney Ramey was committed here. Uh, he's going to Texas. I think there's another kid on that on that roster or who just graduated who we thought we were going to get who wound up going there. So um, not saying it's, it's not a big deal. I think it is a big deal. Uh, I'm not going to gloss over the fact that Marcus Carr, I think, would make Louisville um, maybe exponentially is too strong of a word, but a much, much better team and a team with a much stronger chance of making a deep run in the NCAA tournament. So I would love to have him here. I just don't think that it's it's going to happen. would love to be wrong. Yeah, no, and I, I I mean, there's things to blame, like, the coaching staff for or blame Chris Mack for. I hope the coaching staff, you know, if he does choose Texas, doesn't hold this against Chris Mack because, you know, a lot of times in these situations, either the kid is, is – already leaning one way or has made his mind up for the most part, you know, yes, they, they list schools or whatnot, but um, just because our school is listed doesn't mean like we had a legitimate valid shot. Um, I don't know, you know, nobody knows, but, but, you know, the kid and Chris Mack, like just how much like he actually wants to go to Texas or how much he is even thinking about going to Louisville. But, you know, with this coming up here kind of right before the season, you know, if we don't get him, I, I I would I obviously want to get him. I think he would move us from like a, a, a 
fringe, maybe like a seven, eight seed, um, or, or even lower to a possibly like top 12, 11 team. I think you'd have that big of an impact. Um, but it, it sounds like maybe Louisville was already starting behind the eight ball with this. Um, so I, like I said, I hope it doesn't, you know, the fan base doesn't hold it against Chris Mack. I think he's done a, a good job with, with transfers, but man, it would be nice to add just, just one more piece, especially like we've talked about in the past podcast, like just that perfect playmaking piece that would kind of seem like bring this whole team together and complement their shooters and big guys. And it seems like he would be the perfect fit or total package for this team. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Carr is a known commodity. You know what you're getting there. And he would have to play probably a little bit differently um, here than he did at Minnesota. Like, he was a ball-dominant point guard. But, again, two years ago he was a good facilitator. He scored a lot of points, but he also, um, I think, set the, the school freshman record for assists. So he can distribute, or not the freshman record, but the uh, the single-season record for assists when, after he transferred in from Pitt. So he can be a facilitator if he has the pieces around him. He just didn't really, you know, the, the system at Minnesota allowed him to play the way that he played last year. I, he can handle the ball, I, I think, better than anybody that we know on this year's Louisville roster. I think he could be a better true point guard than anybody we know on this year's Louisville roster. Like, I just don't know enough about... L. Ellis or Jared West to ha- have complete faith in their ability to run the show here. Maybe they can. Maybe they wind up being like a Kristen Cunningham situation where they're way better and way more effective than anybody assumed coming in. But we just don't know that. With Carr, you know what you're getting. And, and so I think that that's why he would be such a huge piece. But, again, I don't think – I'd be surprised if it happens at this point. But who knows? Uh, yeah. It's just so tantalizing. You look at the numbers that he put up, especially in the Big Ten last year, which was a really good conference. It's like, oh, man, like it seems like we've we've hit on a couple of those guys. I mean, obviously we had Carly last year, and, and who knows where we would be without him. Um, so, you know, if we can – you never know. If you get him on campus, I obviously think that's an advantage to us. But, um, you know, we're just going to have to keep our eyes peeled here for the next – you know, 24, 48 hours and see if he even makes it out of Austin. But, I mean, Chris Beard is a tough tough one to go up against, man. Like, when I saw him listed, I'm like, oh, God. I mean, I think he's going to turn Texas and just do an absolute powerhouse within, like, the next year or two. So, um, but we'll see what we'll see how it plays out. And, look, there's, there's a, a shitload of legal now money down there in situations like this and that's absolutely a factor and it's becoming more and more of a factor not just with Marcus Carr's recruitment but with I mean you're hearing some absurd numbers being thrown around for some of these transfers Um, for instance remember Kevin O'Banner the kid from Oral Roberts who Uh uh, I know Max Aismas got a lot of the attention because he led the nation in scoring but O'Banner was their best player during that NCAA tournament run I think he averaged I don't have it in front of me but he averaged like 18 and 10 last year or, or somewhere along those lines, like a really, really good player. And I do know that there was at least some talk from his people reaching out to Louisville and being like, would you have interest in him coming here? And I think the staff was obviously like, of course, like, yeah, we'd be interested. And they threw out a number. Um, I don't know what that number was, but I have a range and it's, it's absurdly high. It was like a, like, like 500 to $650,000 is what you would have to be promising if you wanted him to come here and play for you. And then we found out shortly thereafter he's down to two schools, and it's Texas Tech and Arkansas. So 
some of these numbers that are getting tossed around for transfers are just like this NAIL stuff is absolutely playing a factor here. So if you're if the next if the follow up question in the Marcus Carr conversation is does Louisville go after somebody else if they don't get Carr or they don't get one of the other names that's floating around, I, I think they still add somebody, but it's going to have to be a guy cut from a similar cloth, like an absolute impact guy. Because I mean, you've seen those videos that you've been putting out. The team camaraderie is already really high. Everybody's talking about how they gelled right off the bat. You don't want to fuck that up uh, if it's not going to be somebody who's going to make a really, really big positive impact on the court because uh, it, it seems like, you know, teams can go a long way if they just like each other and trust each other and play well with one another, and you don't want to mess that up if you don't have to. But, yeah, basically, like, if you're going to bring someone in, you want to bring in Adam Banks from the Hawks, basically. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, that, that's what you want. You're not, you, you want some sort of impact player that – um, I mean, cause I, by the way, I mean, we've talked about this. The videos have been great. Um, but it, you're right. It looks like, uh, I mean, these workouts, uh, the, these open runs or whatever they do. I mean, you're right. That, that builds team camaraderie over the summer. And, um, it seems like they've already gelled. The new guys, you know, have showed up. So, uh, if they are going to bring someone in, um, it's going to be someone, hopefully knock on wood, that's going to make a huge impact in this upcoming season. I mean, I'm hearing that Sam Williamson has put on 75 to 80 pounds of muscle and uh, <laughs> is, is ready to live up to that All-American status. Uh, yeah, it's it's off season. It's Sam Williamson buzz season. It's it's Jalen Withers buzz season. Let's 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 get it going, baby. Um, speaking of impact transfers and, and guys that absolutely nobody with a brain would say thanks, but no thanks to, we found out uh, just hours before recording this that Kofi Coburn, second team All-American last year. Seven foot guy who looks like Thanos uh, from Illinois is is not going to be transferring to Kentucky, and there was a lot of buzz. He was down to uh, Kentucky, Illinois, going back to Illinois, and potentially transferring to Florida State. And because Kentucky got Chin Coleman and Orlando Antigua from Illinois this off season, there was a common thought that that Kentucky was the favorite, and a lot of people nationally were saying this is a done deal. A lot of people in Kentucky circles were saying it'll be a shock if he doesn't come. Uh, to Kentucky at this point, and then yesterday we find out that he's going to make his announcement on Friday, um, and today we find out, I think Drew Franklin of Kentucky Sports Radio put out the report saying he's not coming to Kentucky, and now the spin zone has started. Now the all the UK people are who get their stuff from John Calipari are saying there was definitely some interest from Coburn, but the, the assistants who came here from Illinois told him he'd be better off staying at Illinois, which is, I mean... I'm willing to stretch my, like, I guess belief system in some of these cases. This is a guy who's going to be a first-team All-American. He dunks everything. He's seven foot, three hundred pounds, chiseled muscle. He rebounds everything. He's going to get you twenty and ten, night in, night out. He's a elite rim protector just because of who he is. There is no system that does not fit Kofi Coburn. And if you're telling me that you passed on him because you thought it wasn't fair to Oscar Shibway or because you want to play a little bit faster, I'm calling bullshit 10 times out of 10. There's no way that Calipari said thanks, but no thanks to this guy. I, I 100% agree. And, I mean, it, what likely happened, and I have no way of knowing this, and I, I don't think Cal's the only one that does this, but I'm sure through back channels he probably, you know, either wanted to find out his interest in the school or – or did some recruiting through back channels. I mean, yeah, maybe he didn't talk to him face to face or whatnot, but 
I mean, there's just no way um, uh, that you would pass on someone who had one of the biggest impacts in college basketball last season. So um, I 100% call bullshit on that as well. I also breathe a very big sign of relief because uh, that would have been scary to have him right down the road in Lexington for sure. Terrifying. Um, and, and also, knock on wood, let's hope he doesn't end up at Florida State because that's almost more terrifying with the dudes that I feel like they've pulled in the last four or five years. So, um, look, I think we dodged one there. But, yeah, I, I 100%. Uh, there, there had to be some interest on, on UK side. There's just absolutely no way that they would turn their back on this kid. I mean, he's a, a second-team All-American returning to college basketball, which is yeah. relatively unheard of in this day and age. I mean, that quite literally means he was one of the ten best players in the country last year. And I, it, there's just no way. Like, I, I, You're not going to convince me that you said thanks but no thanks to this dude. And if you're saying, you know, we're going all in on Jalen Duran, which is how recruiting people tell me his name is pronounced, the five-star other big man who's coming out of a – like, that's – the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. I mean, if you're going to tell a, a a fan of you're a always, program, you're always going to yeah, you're going to pick the known commodity over the unknown, exactly 100. percent I mean, a freshman having a second team All American type season would mean he's just like fucking incredible, and that's seems it's less likely than it is likely for any player in the country. It doesn't matter if you're you're Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley or, or whoever. Like, it just freshmen are, are kind of hit and miss, even at the highest of levels, and. We know how good Kofi Coburn is. We know what type of impact he can have on college basketball. And if you're going to gamble with the guy who, I mean, you may not even get. There's a lot of talk that that Duran is going to go to Memphis at this point. It, that it, it just makes absolutely no sense. They, uh, they do this in both schools. Like one time, I would actually maybe respect it a little if they just say, "Hey, we went all in this on this guy, and we didn't get him." Like right. whether it's football or basketball, I'd be like. Hey, I mean, it happens. We do that all the time, I feel like, and we miss on guys. But, I mean, Jesus, the spin zone just gets exhausting after a while. I mean, we're doing it with Marcus Carr right now. I mean, every yeah. there's not a Louisville fan out there who, I'm assuming, would say, we don't want Marcus Carr. We don't want to add him to the roster. Having said that, we're very aware of the fact that it's more likely than not that he's not going to wind up here. And if it does happen, if he does commit to Texas, you know, two hours from now, I don't think you – you're not going to hear many Louisville fans. There will be some. There's always a fringe element, but you're not going to hear many Louisville fans say, we didn't really want him anyway. You're not going to hear Chris Mack uh, you know, through back channels communicate that we didn't really want him anyway. There was some interest on his end, but ultimately we were like, no, we're good with Jared West. We're, we're, we're fine with L. Ellis. We're like, we're gonna, we don't need this kid. Like That's just not going to happen. They want Marcus Carr. Louisville fans want Marcus Carr. And if we don't get Marcus Carr, we're going to be disappointed. And I think it's okay for Kentucky fans to say the exact same thing in this situation, but uh, a lot of them are not going to do that. And, I mean, I'll be perfect. I, I think Kentucky's still going to be good this year. I think Kellen Grady's awesome. Like, I, I think I probably believe he's better than a lot of Kentucky fans think he is. But adding Kofi Coburn when I thought it was going to happen made me very scared because, <laughs> one, I obviously don't want them to go to a Final Four or win a national title, but for the personal matchup – I was remembering, you know, Mark Williams, who's smaller than Kofi Coburn, but still a very large human being, just dominating the hell out of us in the ACC tournament, and that made me a little bit nervous about the uh, the game there at the end of December. And again, I, Oscar Sheboy had a good freshman year at West Virginia. He was disappointing before he transferred and kind of quit on his team last year, but I'm sure he'll be okay at UK. But 
Coburn's a different beast, man. He is a different animal, and I'm so glad that he's not going there. Having said that, like like you sort of <laughs> like you sort of ended that. If he goes to Florida State and like scores 35 and 20 on a year, he'll be like, well, what do you what do you want to do? He, I mean, he does look like every Florida State center of the past 10 years. Yeah, I mean, the dudes they've got on campus uh, in the last five years have just been, it seems like, men amongst boys in the ACC. So it feels like he would be an actual perfect fit there. But, um, yeah, if he wants to stay at Illinois, I will, uh, I will be glad to, uh, to talk up champagne for him one more time so we can head back there. But, um, I mean, kind of back to your point about how we would match up with him if he was at, uh, Kentucky. I am really interested to see the development of our big men this upcoming year. I want to see if Gabe is developed at all. I'm sure he's put on muscle. I want to see what Roosevelt Wheeler gives us. Obviously, we want to see if Malik, his health, is able to sub. I, I think that's going to be obviously one of the biggest question marks for our team going into next year. Because um, like you said, I mean, the lasting image we have of our big guys is Mark Williams just scoring at will at the rim. And – I mean, hopefully, I mean, I'm sure they're putting an emphasis on, on post-defense this year, but it's, towards the end of last year, it, it seemed to be lacking. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there are, like I've said a couple of times on the pod, I like the roster, I, I like the pieces, I'm a little bit concerned about how they fit together, and I think there are three main question marks for this team. I think one of them is having a, a, a good enough ball handler at the point guard spot, a guy who can really run the offense, this new Rossbitt mains offense effectively. I think a uh, like a dynamic playmaker, a guy who can do what Carly Jones was able to do last year, just go one-on-one and get you a bucket, um, I think that's a concern. And then the health of the the interior, um, with, with Malik Williams being a guy who you can't reasonably rely on to be healthy at this point because he hasn't been healthy for three years, and Roosevelt Wheeler, who hasn't played basketball in a couple of years because of some, some health concerns. If you're relying on those guys to be healthy for you know five months, it's... Uh, that's a concern. If they are healthy, I think you're good to go in the front court. If they're not, then you're kind of back in the same situation you were for most of last season, and, and you know you're playing Jalen Withers Let's, out of position. I, I'm changing gears here a bit, but I want to talk about Ross McMains for a second. Like, of course, I, I actually love what's going on, like in these videos, because a lot of times you bring in like this, you know, you'll bring in a coach and say you're going to change your philosophy and. You hear this more, like, in football, really, than you do in basketball, but you're going to change, like, the entire philosophy, and, like, it might last for, like, you know, three games. Like, hey, we're going to shoot within the first ten seconds of the shot clock. Like, we want to get this pace up and down. And, and then, like, you know, by the time February rolls around, you're back to, like, a grinded-out style. But the way that these players are talking in videos is just about how different the style is and, and how much they're trying to get used to it. I absolutely love it. It seems like they're really going all in on this. So I don't know about you, but like I'm out of anything going into the season, and I think most fans would agree. I'm I'm most excited to see this revamp offense they keep talking about. And, and I respect the hell out of Chris Mack for following through on his his postseason comments. You know, it's it would have been easy for him to say, "Look, we're going to like every coach in America says we're going to play faster." Like exactly, like, you can be. You, you could have played at the third highest tempo in America, and in your po- if the season didn't go great in your postseason wrap-up press conference, you're going to be like, we're going to play at the fastest tempo in America next year. It, it's every single coach. And it would have been easy for him to, to, to say that 
and then not really make any major changes, just kind of go back to the way that we were playing in 2020 uh, when, when Jordan and, and Ryan McMahon and those guys were here. But he's he went out, he made a off-the-radar hire, and it seems like, based on these videos and based on the comments from the players and the coaches that we've heard in recent weeks, he's kind of giving Ross McMaines the reins. Like, like he's kind of he's letting him be that offensive coordinator, to use the term that he used when he made the hire. And that's awesome, because I, I do think you needed to have a change. And I do think, with this roster especially, having so many outside shooters and having versatile pieces uh, at the four spot, like this is a much, much better fit than that kind of dribble the air out of the ball stall and try to win with defense style that we saw a year ago and the fans obviously didn't like it and more importantly it didn't get results it didn't get you into the NCAA tournament a change needed to happen and it sounds like that change is going to happen now what's the reaction if on opening night we play like <laughs> navy and we go like two of 27 from three and have, like, I, know, that's what, I was just about to say like yeah like I mean obviously the fans love hearing this because it's like this is Louisville basketball this is the style we should be playing um, but like you said, if we come out and it's like, okay, we're averaging 48 points a game on like 19% shooting, then obviously it's going to be like, okay, well, we're just getting used to it here, but it, it, it would obviously be concerning. But I mean, there, there was no well, like, choice. But you know it's going to happen, right? Like in the first two weeks of the season, you know it's going to happen. The first time we have a bad stretch, like there's going to be a million fans on Twitter like, what is this AAU bullshit? Like, like it's, it's like that's Jalen seven three, and we're still in the first half. <laughs> I mean, it, there's it, you can never please anybody, and it's it's right a hundred percent. Like, it, it, we could be up like fifty five to sixteen on you know, Arkansas State, and if we have a stretch where we turn it over three straight times, like. God, like, Carlick never would have let this shit happen. Like, this vicious history with everybody. Get the high post offense back. Like, let's just, uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely going to happen. But for now, it's what everybody wants to see. And I think it's what everybody's excited about. Yep. I'm, I'm totally on board with it. I'm interested to see pairing it with the defense that we have. Like, I, I, I think that'll be an interesting style because it's such just like a, kind of a grinded out defense, but you're letting loose on offense. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it goes together. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just talking about it gets me super excited for the season. And um, I, any, any tidbit that leaks out about who's performing well in the summer or whatnot, like just, just inject it in my veins. I need, I need some sort of news. Same. And I, I think if you're looking for a model to, as far as like, stylistically who you want to play as right now with this team and with this roster. I mean, look at what Jay Wright has done at Villanova. Not just the, the results. Obviously, they've been so good. But they do play like a kind of modified pack line defense, but they also get up and down. Like, they, they want to play fast on offense, but they want to make you work and have long, grinded-out possessions on defense. And I, and I think, you know, that separates them from the Wisconsins and the Virginias and the, you know, just – doldrums and slog and and mud programs that you know win but do so like kind of ugly or at least in a style that's not aesthetically pleasing and I I think that's what it's sort of weird to say because they were kind of rivals when Mac was at Xavier but I think that's who you'd like to see this team play like moving forward a hundred percent I mean I think we would have to do a 180 as far as the physicality we play with because that's one of Villanova's staples um, but I mean, if, if that's a program that you, you're trying to compare yourself against, you, you picked a good one because 
I would take them just about over almost anyone in the NCAA right now. All right, let's get to some questions from Twitter, and we'll uh, we'll weed out the the bevy of Marcus Carr questions since we already talked about uh, him at length. But Danimal says, this is one thing, I was really mad we didn't get to do a pod last week because I thought there was a, a couple of stories that were right up our alley. One was the uh, the Mick Cronin's brother, Dan Cronin, uh, being <laughs> fooled by a fake Mark Blankenbaker account and reporting that Marcus Carr was going to go to Louisville which broke at like 11 p.m. on a Wednesday in early July and set Louisville. It was like the perfect summer story, which was wonderful. And then him having to kind of apologize the next day. Uh, Danny Cronin, if you're not aware, is a like a pretty big-time horse capper, does real well. The Cronin brothers are big into horse racing. There's a great story about how one time, I think it was at Saratoga, they hit a pick six and quite literally bankrupt the, the, the track. They had to go into the vault and get their money, and they didn't have enough. And the, they were like, we can, you know, you guys can come back or we can write you a voucher. And they're like, no, we'll stay here. Like, they, they had to they stayed <laughs> the track till like, 3 a.m. and made these guys go to, like, the bank and go get all their money, uh, which, uh, God love the Cronins. But uh, the, the other big story, and it comes via this question from uh, Danimal, who says, how long did your erection last after hearing about the DePaul series? DePaul Day is back, Dan. We didn't get a chance I, to talk about it yet. I know. Just, just an unbelievable turn of events. It's surprising that you're not in the athletic department there by now. So um, I, I'm still glad that you get to watch it as a fan and, and not as some administrator to Paul. But uh, this is this is a big. I mean, it's 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 literally National Mike Rutherford Day is what it is. So I don't know what date the game is, but I mean, we're gonna have to pull out all the bells and whistles for this one. Finally, Chris Mack gets to experience a little bit of pressure here because if he loses <laughs> the ball, I mean, I think you you lose the fan base at that point. You definitely lose me, and it's uh, it, he I just mean, pulls in his driveway after you're just like sitting on his front porch, <laughs> like you're like you you killed me here. I'm dead. I mean, I would be like I feel like DePaul fans. Some of them take it like, like they think it's funny. A lot of them do not, and they take it very seriously. I feel like there's a group of them that would show up at my doorstep if they actually did ever beat us and just beat the absolute shit out of me. Uh, I, I but, think there's more pressure on you to win this game than Chris Mack, 100%. Just all, all the the years of, like, DePaul tweets, I mean, a loss here, that that's just a, a black mark on the resume for sure. One of the years where after I'd made DePaul Day kind of a thing, I think it was, like, 2010, 2011, and, like, there could not have been a bigger disparity between the tweets I was sending out and my – it was the year we went to overtime, and I'm like, we're fine. Like, I'm, like, pretty out of like <laughs> I'm like, we got this, like, never in doubt. Like, I'm, like, sitting on my bed, like, almost crying at this point, like, <laughs> living and dying with, like, every, I'm like, God damn it, Kirk! Like, like, every size, every dribble, like, I'm about to just die. And that's kind of how I feel now. There is a part of me, I kind of feel the same way about DePaul Day as I felt about the, like, the old Cincinnati series. The ending for both the football and the basketball games with Cincinnati were so perfect, I almost don't want to disrupt them by playing them again. The last DePaul Day in 2013 I mean, we had Russ Smith shout out to Paul Day in his post game press conference. Russ Smith also scores a thousandth career point. Sean Moth announced Happy to Paul Day over the PA system to the entire <laughs> KFC Young Center at the women's game. The God, official, that's awesome. The official U of L Twitter account tweeted out the Paul Day stuff. Like it was, it was nuts, and it was almost getting too big because I feel like a lot of these people didn't realize that it was just shitting on an entire other basketball program. Um, but now it's back, and there's a little bit of pressure for these next couple of years. This first game at the Yum Center this year, and then we're going up to Chicago next year. But 
it'll be fun to have that. Hopefully the um, the church group that always went up there when we played them in Chicago will will you know restart that tradition and, and go back up there and we'll have a home court advantage again. But uh, we'll move on. Enough uh, DePaul Day talk there. Um, <laughs> NIT Stu wants us to talk about the Afghanistan withdrawal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can you can send me an email. I guess we'll uh, yeah. we'll discuss it over email. They're finally coming home, Dan. Um, that's that's the extent of our discussion yeah. there. Pat says, "Is Zenyatta blame the best Breeders' Cup horse race you've ever seen? It's the best call oh. for sure. Blame Zenyatta, Zenyatta, blame Zenyatta." A hundred percent. And me and you were literally at the finish line for that, which was uh, one of the cooler, like, random things that we, we got to watch live. But um, I, the year before where Zenyatta came from last was almost more unbelievable, um, to be honest, because, I mean, you were just like, all right, I guess it's not happening. And then she just started passing everybody. But, um, I, I mean, that's that's probably the one that Zenyatta blames sticks out of my head. Um, as the best one. And then, I mean, Arazi, like you said, that would probably be the other one. Um, just cause the call is so amazing oh. and the move, uh, was so, you know, unbelievable as well. But those would be two that stick out for me. Yeah. The, I mean, just thinking about it, the, and Arazi runs right by him. Call gives me yeah. goosebumps just thinking about it. By the way, RIP to a legend. We lost Arazi last week and, uh, so we lost Arazi and we lost came home. A classic Mike Rutherford Derby pick, who I think finished like 13th. <laughs> like every pick that I had in the 2000s, besides Street Sense, I'm pretty sure came in like seventh or eighth, and, and came home was one of them. Lost both those horses last week. Prayers up. R.I.P. Uh, came home. R.I.P. came home. Uh, uh, let's see. Frost Pookie Addy Hattie, what a name. Says, what are the game day traditions for DePaul Day? Uh, you just chill. Like that's that's what DePaul Day is all about. It's you take a break from the stress of being a Louisville basketball fan in the winter, and you enjoy the fact that we're absolutely going to win a game. It's That's uh, that's what the whole day is about. We, we, need, we, we need to make a road trip to the Chicago game for sure. Like, that would just be an unbelievable experience in my mind. Like, remember, remember our, so we had a, we have a mutual friend, Pat Dembo, that <laughs> after college he moved to Chicago and he actually worked in the ticket office for DePaul as like one of his first jobs out of college and all he could talk about was just what a dump all all state arena oh, it was. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> but I forget like where they play now. I don't even know who their head coach is. Well, they just hired the guy who was the assistant from Oregon who was involved in them getting some very scandalous players there. Which is, a, I mean, hey, shoot your shot to fall. But, you know, they've got Dwayne Peavy from UK as their new athletic director. That's um, right. Which is how I think this deal got done. Um, and when the deal was actually announced, Matt Jones, the Matt Jones, uh, texted me and was like, I actually had dinner with, with Peavy a couple of days ago. Really wanted to tell you, but I was sworn to secrecy. And I was like, I mean... <laughs> Like, why are you sworn to secrecy about a Louisville DePaul series? I'm like, I'm not going to break this. It wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been gigantic news for literally anybody but me. Uh, but, but there you go. Um, BMO says, once Marcus Carr officially commits to Texas, do you think Mac is done with transfers? And will he be content with a 10 plus loss, one win and out of the ACC tournament, first weekend of the NCAA tournament level roster that he's assembled? Uh, I mean, this this is what I was just talking about. Yeah. Like, I can already feel the hostility coming when I know when who knows if we had a realistic shot or not. Um, but hey, fans are going to be fans, I guess. 
Yeah, Gil Bolberg says, uh, would you rather go to the Cable Beach Championship in the Bahamas this year or the Maui Invitational in 2022? Maui, yeah. I mean, Bahamas oh, I mean, easier trip, but Maui's got to be on every college basketball fan's bucket list, and I've never been. Bahamas would be for uh, nostalgia purposes because we had some nice uh, Bahamas runs there and, like, uh, around the championship years. But Maui is 100% a, a bucket list item. Um, you know, you love the game atmosphere and the small gym. Uh, get to see Jay Billis in his wine shirt all week. Yeah, 100% would be Maui. We do get uh, this year at Maui, Mike Bray is going to be back. Maui Mike Bray. Oh, nice. I feel I like Maui, nothing, I miss Maui Tom Crane though. God, Tom Crane. By the way, the Little Caesars tweets this this week. Oh my I god, saw him. unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> this guy. If and a lot of people are like, I think he's probably playing a character. No, like like he wasn't. Like I, I did love a couple of people I know were assistants were recruiting at the the tournament in Indianapolis last week, and two of them, without me facilitating, without me asking, sent me pictures of Cream. Like apparently they had this little like roped off area that. There's signs everywhere saying, like, coaches have to stand behind this rope. And Kring just walked right in front of the, the rope and just stood there. Like, literally every other coach was, like, uh, was a body by the rules. And Kring is basically standing on the court watching these AAU games. And I'm like, dude, like, nobody even can name one player on Georgia's roster, right? Like, do they even have enough guys to play a season? Like, why are you trying to big dick this AAU event? But that's Tom Crane, man. Loves little I'm season. trying to, like, come up Love with, like, a, a college football analogy for Tom Crane. Because, I mean, like... At There's one no point, Green, I, well, not even personality wise, but just like coach trajectory wise, like he was, I, I mean, I don't want to say like a can't miss coach, but I mean, if you land a job at Indiana, obviously you're pretty sought after and coveted. And now he's just toiling away down in Athens. And, and I mean, almost an afterthought, it seems like. And it just seems like that happened so fast. Or maybe, I mean, he has been around what? He, he he kind of burst on the scene in like the early 2000s, so yeah, maybe it's just me. I mean, it, it's been like 20 years, so I guess that's a decent amount of time. But uh, you know the first thought, name that comes to mind with college football comparison, and they could not be more different, I think, personality wise. But Charlie Weiss, that's a good one, hundred um, percent. Yeah, like, like first lands the Notre Dame job, exactly. and uh, yeah, Charlie Weiss, my God, like think, that guy's made. Charlie Weiss has more uh, buyout money than, I mean, I think just about anyone from what I remember correctly as part of his contracts. But, uh, yeah, I mean, here's the deal. I've, I've softened on Kareem. Um, I used to just, like, especially Marquette days, I couldn't stand him. IU days, like, I was like, all right, he got the program back a little bit, but didn't really get him over the top. And now that he's just toiling away down in Georgia, I want him back on the scene. I think it's good for college basketball. Well, he's harmless now. Like, like there was a period. Yeah. Of, like, you got to remember. Like, we hated him because he came to Conference USA, and this was when like Patino was kind of hitting his stride at Louisville, and every other coach seemed intimidated by him. Like Huggins was moving on, and Crink was the first like kind of unknown coach who wasn't scared of Patino. He like would yell at him on the sidelines, and they they beat us more times than not those first few years he was at Marquette, and he was kind of the next big thing. And then he goes to Indiana and has a little bit of success there. Again, it was like Charlie Weiss the first couple of years at Notre Dame. Like he's he's not having the elite level of success that they're used to, but he's having enough that he believes that you're going to bring the program back. Then he kind of bottoms out, and I feel like Georgia basketball is 
very much like a, akin to Kansas football uh, in that regard. So yeah, there you go. Um, shout out to Tom Crane. Let's see here. Carito says top five sports figures who would have profited from the NIL in Cardinal history. Um, I'll tell you who I think is number one is Kevin Ware. I, I was just about to say it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, still to this day, the highest day of traffic that we've ever had at Card Chronicle was the day after he broke his leg. Because, I mean, he was the he ended up being the most searched athlete of 2013, college, pro, whatever. Like, nobody had more Google searches than Kevin Ware. Everybody would have reached out to him for stuff. And I know it was, like, a limited window compared to guys who maybe were stars at Louisville for three or four years. But I still think he would have made more in that limited window than anybody else. I mean, Russ Smith would have been really marketable. Um, I mean, Luke Hancock played here for a full year after being the Final Four MVP. He would have been really marketable. Are we talking about basketball or football, too? Anything, I mean, yeah. Lamar, I mean, uh, I think he would have been unbelievable. I mean, the guy won the Heisman, so obviously. Yeah. Uh, and I know we're going back in the day, but, I mean, uh, Daryl Griffith, obviously, being a hometown guy. But, sure. I mean, that, we're talking, like, in the 80s, so I don't know. You know, we're talking different different times. But, yeah, I mean, Kevin Ware, for sure, is who came to mind for me, uh, number one. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it's an interesting question. Um, I'm sure a lot of those guys, I don't want to say they're they're bitter, but they're probably like, couldn't this have happened, like, you know, 15 years ago? Oh, I mean, if you're Kevin Ware, you're absolutely bitter right now. I mean, especially yeah. when, you know, like, when you were hurt, they made win for wear shirts and, you know, like, shirts with your number on them, and you saw none of that money, and you were the biggest, like, he was the biggest story of that championship run and the biggest story in the sports world for a solid two, three weeks, and he left with really nothing to show for it. And, and if anything, the negatives wound up outweighing the positives for him. Um so yeah, that I mean, that, I definitely feel for Kevin on that front. Jonathan says, if you had to pick a starting five from basketball movies, who would you go with? Um, I mean, Air Bud like, at the point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't go with like high school players because you can just go with the, like the cast of Space Jam. Uh, I was gonna say either the cast of the Sixth Man or the cast of Space Jam. Like, I mean, you got uh, the Wayne's Brothers, you got Travis Ford. Um, who else was in Six Man? I forget. The big uh, dude from Washington who looked like every big yeah. dude from Washington in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, I that wasn't. God, what was that guy's name? I keep wanting to say Jake Voskel, but he's Connecticut. He, does, um, he did look like Jake Voskel for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I that's a tough one. I, I would like need time to draw it out. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. All right, let's see. This question here is from Trey. Any thoughts on Euro 2020, Dan? Um, Euro 2020, here's the deal. I'm not a big soccer guy, okay? I know, so, like, I guess what happened, what was it? England was up one nothing, and then everyone was like, oh, England's finally going to do it, and then Italy tied them, and then England choked in the, the PKs. Is that is that a good synopsis of what that's, happened? That's a pretty accurate summary right there. Okay, so look, yeah, I I I know what I'm talking about, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, I I was watching Reds baseball for the last two weeks. I I don't watch soccer. I don't I don't hate anyone that watches soccer or anything like that. I know, uh, especially in the Louisville area, it seems like it's getting a lot more popular, which is awesome, um, men's and women's. But yeah, I just have never been one to really get into soccer. I watched a decent amount of it. I. I I liked it. There's a, it, I had a weird phenomenon of the Oak going. Like I picked 
England to win at the beginning of the tournament. Again, I don't know that much. I'm not going to pretend like I follow it that closely, but I have picked the last three World Cup winners, Dan. So basically I'm more of an expert than Jeff Greer. I don't know why he keeps getting these play-by-play deals, but I picked England. And then when it got to the finals, like, you know, they haven't won a, a major tournament since, like, what, 1966 or whatever. They hadn't been in a final since the 60s. Like, I kind of wanted them to keep suffering. Like, 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 when, it got to, like when they took the lead, I was like, I don't know why I'm kind of cheering for Italy now. And I, I kind of started to root for Italy. And then I was flipping back and forth between them and uh, Big Dick Nick Castellanos playing God again for the the Reds beating the Brewers. But I did catch the, the shootout, and I did feel bad for the guys who missed. So what's, what's interesting is, like, my son Cam is playing soccer now, and he's actually, like, pretty decent to where, like, he's on some, like, competitive team coming up. But I can't teach him anything because I never played soccer growing up. I I don't even know all the positions or the rules. It's quite sad, actually. Um, so I, I'm really hoping he's got some good coaches because, I mean, right now he has zero ball skills. He's just kind of big and fast. Um, but uh, I, I like he's like you're to play in the backyard. I'm like I don't really know what I'm doing. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at. The only thing I know about you in soccer is your goalie performance. Oh at uh, Dayton freshman year in intramural soccer where you were heckled relentlessly by a drunk guy who just happened to stumble up and watch the game. <laughs> I was drinking before the game, but, yeah, I'll never <laughs> forget that heckle as long as I live. Like, this – I mean, it was almost a goal from midfield, and it wasn't, like, coming in hot. It was, like, rolling, and I just, like, kind of squibbed it under my arms into the goal, and this guy was like, Oh my God, that's the worst goal I've ever seen. <laughs> you kept going for like five minutes. He was like, he shot that from midfield. Like, it was to the point where like we, like me and like our other friends have been making fun of you, but like <laughs> the guy's kind of taking it too far. I'm like, is Danny gonna just like leave? I was like, are you gonna walk off the field here? This is getting merciless. That uh, was the yeah. last soccer game I've ever played. 2003. It's been it's been that long. So I uh, would. Thanks, I, random stranger. I would selfishly love for Cam to just not play, like, baseball and basketball and focus on swimming and soccer just so you would have to become a swimming soccer dad. My but, my uh, dad, yeah, my dad likes to give me a hard time about it. He's like, never thought you'd be here, did you? So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at right now. We're just letting him try out everything, and then whatever he likes, we'll, you know, he can start to weed out later. All right, back-to-back questions here that are kind of related. Jason says, what's the best cameo you've ever done? And then Kevin said, if a group of your closest friends decided to purchase a cameo for you or Danny, who would they select? My The best cameo I've done, and there have been some funny ones, but <laughs> I did one back in March for, it was like, uh, this guy was like, my, my uh, son, Johnny, like you know, my friend's son, Johnny, has been having a hard time. And he's got a crush on Haley Van Lith, and could you like uh, send him a little pick me up thing? And so I'm like, hey Johnny, what's going on, man? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, like heard you're a big Haley Van Lith fan. Like, aren't we all? Like, so maybe Johnny and Haley Van Lith could be the love story of the century. Like, maybe she could have a little crush on. Like, I don't even remember what I said. And it turns out that it was one of our mutual friends from Dayton uh, sending a fake cameo to our to my best friend Weber on his birthday, uh, which was just wonderful. I guess he does this every year, and this year. I picked me to do it uh, to little Johnny. So that was hilarious. I do love also like 
more times than not, people ask me to get uh, my daughter involved in the cameo, and she just refuses. Like, every time she sees the camera come out, she just starts screaming or tries to take it. So I, 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 I very, it's been very rare that I've been able to make that happen, but those are always fun. But, yeah, the, uh, the one for little Johnny was definitely probably the best. The, the uh, my favorite one that I've been involved with is we went on that golf trip last year, and the the guy who was in charge of the golf trip for I don't even know who got it for him, but got a just a cameo like thanks for putting this together from Dave Wanstead, <laughs> just like the most absolute random person you could think of. I was absolutely dying at that, but. Um, I don't know. I feel like you can get super creative with just how random you can get on those cameos. Um, but yeah, I would have loved to see your message a hundred percent. It's like with current athletes now being able to do cameo, pretty sure the Mike Rutherford cameo requests are about to bottom out here. I <laughs> don't think I'm going to get too many more, but like, hey, my, well, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah. My goal when they asked me to do it, which was, I mean, I still can't believe anybody asked me to do it. I was like, if I make $100, I'll be shocked. I've made more than $100, so I feel pretty good about that. That's uh, that, that was my only goal getting into this thing. Let's see. Um, Brian says, I, I guess we probably should talk about this at some point, but it, Brian says, is there another university in the country that contains a contingent of former players that hates the school as much as some Louisville alumni seem oh, to. Yeah. This problem seems unique to U of L, and I mean this is obviously related to the the Purvis Ellison story that came out last week that Rick Bozich wrote about. Um, I guess Chris Mack not recruiting Purvis Ellison's highly touted recruits, and um, I think Milt Wagner saying that Mack had not talked with his son DJ, who's widely regarded to be the best player in the class of 2023. Mac, by the way, did come out and say that he has talked to some of these kids, or he definitely said that he had done a Zoom talk with DJ Wagner, but then you had Butch Beard calling into uh, to Bob Valvano's show, and it, full, like, just disclosure, like, I, did, I did not hear the conversation. The only thing that I know about is what I saw in tweets, but I know he was expressing some concern about um, – so the lack of things that U of L has done for Wes Unseld, and he went so far as to say that like Louisville doesn't know who Wes Unseld is, which I think is a, is a bridge too far. But I, I mean, this is a, I feel almost bad for Chris Mack because I feel like he's kind of getting in the crossfire of something that has been building and has been existent for two decades. Like this whole thing got started when Tom Jurich was was pushing Denny Crum to the side, right? Like, this, they didn't like that it was happening. And you kind of forget, and I don't know if I even really grasped at the time, I and mean, you and I were, were pretty young when that was all going on. I think we were like 14, 15. How just visceral things got, how contentious things got between Jurich and Crum. And I don't think I really realized it until I was doing research for the book, like the, the leaked emails between the two that had gotten out, the just the, the back and forth in the media. Like, it was really bad. And Obviously, the players who played for Denny Crum were going to take that personally. They weren't going to be happy about it. And they kind of came out and said, the only way we're going to be okay with this is if you hire Jerry Eves to be the next head coach at UofL. And Tom Jurich opted for a coach who'd won a national title and who was uh, on the brink of a Hall of Fame career in Rick Pitino, which I think most people would agree was the right move at the time. And I think now looking back at Jerry Eves and no disrespect to him, he's been very nice to me the multiple times that I've met him, but looking at his coaching record, I think you can say that Rick Pitino probably the, the better option at that point in time, but there was a lot of unrest about that, and I think Rick Pitino then walked into a situation where he felt like, why are these former players upset that I'm here? 
I've won everywhere I've been in college. I won a national title at Kentucky. I took fucking Providence to a Final Four. How can you be upset about this? And as Rick Pitino tended to do when he felt disrespected, he went a little bit extreme and, and shut a lot of those guys out of the program. And there definitely was a disconnect between the former players and the Pitino era. And that era kind of bled over into this one. And to Chris Mack's credit, I mean, he made it a point when he was at his introductory press conference to say, you know, he mentioned Purvis Ellison by name, saying he was the, the guy who got me into Louisville basketball and saying, if you were a former player, this is your program. We want you back. We want you involved. He had events where he invited all the former players back. And still, I think these former players were upset that, once again, Jerry Eves didn't get a look. Um, Butch Beard on the radio call apparently said that he thought he should have been the guy who was the interim coach instead of David Padgett back in 2018, which, I mean, I, I don't – I don't know how you can make that argument when David was a the only guy left over from the staff and the players chose him, but uh, but he did make that argument. I think it's fine. I, I think Louisville fans should absolutely say that players deserve to have a say in what goes on with this program, and they deserve to be listened to, especially when it's issues as sensitive as you know minorities being considered for positions of power and what the program has or has not done to honor Wes Unsell. I think those are all legitimate concerns at the same time because just because you were a player or a group of players who brought the program to prominence three or four decades ago you don't get to run the show like like you don't get to call all the shots right. that doesn't happen anywhere you don't get to name who the head coach is you don't and I, I I just I struggle with a lot of the complaints some of them I see is totally valid I understand where they're coming from with regards to the West Unseld stuff but the whole, like, Butch Beard should have been the interim coach and, and Jerry Eve should have been hired. Like I, I, And I feel like I would feel the exact same way. I don't think this is an ageist thing. I don't think this is I'm from a different generation. I don't really grasp what, what was accomplished in the 70s and the 80s. If 20 years from now, you know, Russ Smith and Kyle Kirk are saying, look, we really believe that Luke Hancock should be the head coach. And Luke Hancock – doesn't have a resume to back that up, I feel like I'll have the exact same opinion as I have right now with regards to the Eves and the Butch Beard stuff. But I don't. I, I hate it. I hate the fact that there's this this odd disconnect that nobody seems to really understand like, like what the root issue is. I think it's different for every player. I still don't understand what exactly the, the problem Purvis Ellison has with Louisville, because that's not a new thing. He's had that basically since he yeah. left here. Um, but it's just, I hate it. It sucks. Yep. I mean, you, you never want to have a rift with, with kind of the, like you said, the people that brought you to prominence. But I mean, with that being said, I mean, and you kind of hit on it with Purvis and I thought the same thing. I mean, I, I am grateful to Purvis for obviously a lot of things, especially the, the championship that he brought, number one pick. I mean, he, he's a big part of our history and he should be celebrated. But with that being said, he is, and obviously you kind of touched on the whole, you know, Denny Crumbie and Force Out. Maybe that's a reason, but by no means has this man been an ambassador, you know, in the past 15, 20 years for the university. It seems like, and I don't want to, you know, speak out of turn here because I'm not 100% accurate or sure on this, but it seems like he's kind of the guy that when there's, you know, team reunions or they're honoring, you know, the, the 86 team or, or something of that nature that, you know, he's either not there or, or whatnot, and you'd think him kind of being the face of the team, like, <laughs> he's probably the one that we would want there the most. But um, 
I mean, Max Denali's could. I, I mean, he has, I have no, you know, problem with, with, with Chris Mack in this situation just because, I mean, whatever he said at his introductory press conference, he's following through with it. He's having former players over his house for barbecues. He's trying to involve everyone that he can. And you're, unfortunately, it just seems like you're not going to make everyone happy. And I hate that that's the case. But, um, I mean, when it comes to Purvis, you know, if he wants to say that, that's completely fine. But, uh, like I said, hasn't exactly been UofL's number one ambassador, um, you know, lately. And Chris Mack, you can say what you, you want to about the last three years. I know it's a, certainly a, a topic of conversation around here locally, but he was the most attractive option that was available to you at that time. And, and he was a couple of years before. I know there's some talk about whether or not he would have been hired if, if Rick Pitino, I, I can say beyond the shadow of a doubt that if Rick Pitino had walked away in the middle of things during that, uh, the 2015-16 season when the Katina Powell stuff first broke, which was something that he was saying he was considering. Chris Mack would have been named the head coach at that time. And people can say otherwise. That's absolutely what would have happened. He was in the holster. He was going to come here. In 2018, I mean, he's coming off um, taking Xavier to places it had never been before as a number one seed. I know that he wasn't, you know, he didn't have the same type. He didn't have a Rick Pitino type resume, but there was nobody else out there who did have a Rick Rick Pitino type resume that would have come to Louisville. He was the best option for you. And if you have a chance to scoop him up, you've got to scoop him up. And, Kenny Payne, I mean, I, I get why his teammates would want him to come there, and, and who knows? Maybe he would have come here and killed it for the last three years, but there was nothing that said he was a better option for Louisville than Chris Mack was. And if you're upset about him not being seriously considered, I, we can have that conversation. I get where you're coming from, but we moved quickly on Mack because it was the, the right thing to do, it was the logical thing to do, and it was going. it would have happened – in the exact same situation three years prior. And I, I just, I get the unrest, but I don't get the unrest leading you to a point where it seems like some of these guys are actively rooting against the program they played for or, you know, wanting to be disassociated from the program entirely. I just, uh, it's sad. Um, they deserve to be listened to. They deserve to have their own platform and certainly they deserve to be respected. I mean, we're, I'm going to love what Kenny Payne did for the program. I'm going to love, what Milt Wagner did and Purvis Ellison and all these guys did, regardless of how they feel about U uh, of L, it's just I, I just hate that it's gotten here. And we're about to do the you know the what 35th anniversary of the '86 championship team, and it's sad thinking that Purvis probably isn't going to come back for that. I think he's been back one time since he left here, and that was the um, the last game of Final Hall, game, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's just I mean he's almost as synonymous with U of L basketball as anybody else, and. The fact that he just seems to have no interest in, in supporting the program, is it's sad on multiple levels, but that's where we are. Um, Johnny in stereo says, I need to know what the fuck is going on with the IARP. You and me both, Johnny. Uh, you and everybody, Johnny. Uh, we have no idea. We're still in the dark there. Is, is there, is there like, ever going to be a good time where we do want to know? Because now I'm like, all right, like, season's almost here, so obviously this season's not going to be affected. Right. Like, we want to get this behind us. Like, is there ever going to be a good time? Like, eh, you know what? I wouldn't mind finding out the punishment now and just go ahead and taking the singer. Cause like, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of in limbo about it. Like I do want to find out, but like, I just know whenever I do my, my heart's going to sink because I know, I know what's probably going to be coming down the pipe. Yeah. Mid April, 2022. That, that's, that's my answer. There we that's, go. 
right. that's when I would like to hear uh, at that point. Here we go. We're finally getting to it, finally getting to fantasy golf talk. Rick says, I need two minutes allocated to Dan's British Open predictions, and if he would take the job as Bryson DeChambeau's caddy. <laughs> I would 100% take the DeChambeau job. Um, I mean, yes, he's a dweeb, but uh, – like I, to me, caddy is like 100% a hundred percent a a dream job. I think that'd be so much fun. You'd be um, the worst caddy out of all of our friends. I think you oh, might be the worst caddy I'd know. A hundred, a hundred percent. I'd be like, dude, just just hit driver here. It's like <laughs> two two eighty to the water. It's like I know, just go for it. I think you're um, about one thirty seven out. It's like the actual yardage here is one eighty three. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, oh, I I forgot my tracker. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, with that being said. British Open, first off, we're in 55th place out of, like, 65 teams. It's been a rough fantasy golf year. Um, I did, we did pick Morikawa for the, uh, what was it, PGA was the last one, or U.S. Open, US excuse Open. me. And, he, I mean, talk about having a chance. I mean, he was right there and kind of blew some putts on Sunday. So, at least we got some major momentum. Um, this year, I don't know. I mean, we haven't, me and you both haven't done most, most, a lot of research. Um, I think we're leaning towards Jordan Spieth only because, uh, A, he's a good win player and B, uh, most of the people in our league have already used him. So we're trying to find someone that a lot of people haven't used. Uh, but I don't know. If you gave me like another pick, I would probably say Jordan Spieth and I'll, I'll go Xander. He's been knocking on the door. Um, I, I feel like he's due to get over the hump at some point. Can I also point out that uh, for the U.S. Open, all of us, like our friends, we participated in this gigantic like competition that I came in third in and won like three hundred. Oh yeah, bucks. yeah. You you are unbelievable at and like that's not the first time you've done well. Like in this like separate pool that we do, like you're unbelievable. And then when it comes to me and you, uh, we're both just god awful. We can't. Yeah hit anything for for you know what our, our life is worth yeah you know it's it is what it is but british open's going to change everything jordan speed jordan, jordan speed let's go jordan speed 2021 british open champion you heard it on the card chronicle podcast first uh fade, martin fade says, accordingly <laughs> shay martin says are you going to the reds world series parade yeah of course we'll man oh man i mean we, this is all we asked for we said it on past pods like just get me to the summer and keep me interested. And, like, not only are they, like, keeping me interested, this is, like, one of the funnest Reds teams that yeah. I can remember in a long time. Like, they are a blast to watch for all, like, the the deficiencies they have in the, the bullpen. Um, I know shortstop that people are clamoring for to get a better shortstop, whatever. But, I mean, it, it is a really fun team to cheer for. So, if you haven't hopped on the bandwagon um, where I believe – what are we? Five games out of first, and I think four, four and a half. Four games out of first, and four like, and three and a half. Four and three and a half out of the wild card. Three and a half. So, I mean, we're right there. We got three against the Brewers coming out of the break. I know me and you we're we're heading to the Cardinals game the next uh-huh. week, um, which should be a blast. But I'm ready. I'm ready for this this summer baseball. 100. percent I am all in. Look, if you don't like watching Mike Freeman play baseball, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, undefeated I don't, with him in the starting lineup, but anyway. Yeah, everybody's like, we should trade for story. I'm like, no, we don't. Mike Freeman's he's like 7-0. We're going to be 35-0 by the time we get to the end of the year. It's Freeman's world. Um, Alec Rohr says, if you had to choose between Adam Froman, Will Stein, and Will Gardner to sign an NIL deal, which one are you choosing, and why is it Froman? Oh, 
Oh, it's Will Stein. Stein with, is the easy yeah. NIL choice in, in that regard. He was an internet phenomenon. So you remember, I was part of the camp that wanted Will Gardner over Lamar Jackson. I'm like, I'm really high on Will Gardner. Um, and <laughs> yes, I, <forgot> that. <laughs> I was so high on Will Gardner. I'm like, I just don't know about this Jackson kid. Like, I'm all in on Gardner. So I would probably pick Will Gardner, but um, Will Stein is a, he's a sentimental favorite. Uh, Louisville kid. Um, love Will Stein. And we, we don't, people don't talk enough about the fact, and maybe it's because people don't know, like, Will Stein and Jennifer Lawrence were an item back in the day. Like, back in their, like, young love days. Like, that makes Will Stein even more marketable to me. Wow, we're, we're going e-entertainment here on the audience. I absolutely love it. Yeah, we need more, go- we need more gossip on this podcast. There it is. Yeah, Will Stein, Jennifer Lawrence. They were, yeah, that's the, uh, the Card Chronicle gossip of the week right there. It's 15 years too late. But I, hope, I hope JLo's, I hope Jennifer Lawrence's reps like reach out. She's like, you <laughs> yeah. need to shoot down that story, yeah. sir. <laughs> if you don't edit out that 20 seconds of the podcast, you're going to have a world of hurt coming your way. Um, Yuval Hanat, our guy, says, what's something embarrassing that you did with money as a kid? Um, I feel like this is going to be more up your alley. Like, I was I was more responsible as a kid than I think I was, like, as a young adult or now as an adult. I feel like I didn't do anything. The only reckless thing that I can think of was, and this is terrible, like, my mom won a, she, like, won some lottery, some raffle for, like, a $100 spending spree at a toy store, and she let me have $50 of it and my sister had fifty dollars of it, and I think I spent the entire fifty dollars on like trolls. They, they they were a big thing, like just troll dolls that I I was really into at the time. I think I was like six or seven. That's a, that's the closest I can come. I don't think I did anything really reckless with money as a kid. Like six, I mean six or seven. I have no idea. Like any money I had at six or seven, I was buying. I was a huge card collector, so I'd buy a lot of baseball and basketball yeah, cards. Um, but I mean, like I obviously. <laughs> Made some dumb choices when I was like 15 or 16. Um, yeah, God, what, I used to like, oh, that, I'd really have to like think about it. I know I've done some like pretty dumb shit as far as spending on like, I don't know, like random CDs. I mean, these are, this is a terrible answer. I, I would have to sit down and think about it, but, um, I mean, once I got to 16 or 17, I would just blow money on the dumbest shit. Uh, I like this question. Dr. Dunk says, the NCAA institutes a new rule that instead of overtime, teams have a free throw contest a la penalty kicks in soccer to determine the winner. You have to choose five cards to shoot. They can be from any point since you started following. Who are you picking? I guess Wagner. It, yeah, but like, if, he, if he's saying since we started following, like, no oh, Wagner was okay, before yeah. Because that was where my mind went to, too. But I, we can say all time, like, whatever. Like, we're familiar enough with Milt Wagner that I think he's we – we're allowed to choose him. So I'll say Milt. Okay. Um, Ryan McMahon. That was going to be my second choice. I'll say Francisco Garcia, third. Like, you forgot. He shot, like, 88% from free throw line. He was – whatever his number oh, was, it was ridiculous. Dewan Wheat. I feel like Wheat was really good. I remember – I don't know about – I can't. I, I don't know his percentage off the top of my head, but I would. He was clutch, so I, I think that's a solid pick. I know um, Damian Lee is up there in all time free throw percentage. I think he shot like eighty five percent the one year he was here, and I feel like he was pretty clutch. How about uh, senior year Ellis Miles? Senior year Ellis Miles, or out of nowhere the uh, Terrence Jennings. Remember when, like? Oh yeah, it's like he Terrence went from like twenty three percent. He went from like twenty three percent career to like making twenty seven in a row or something out of absolutely nowhere. 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> my fifth choice is going to be that one-month span, Terrence Jennings, in his junior year where he couldn't miss a free throw. That's my fifth pick. That's Definitely. Cliff Rozier did last. Sorry, I, I, you know, nothing against Cliff, but I remember just him. He he basically blew the Arizona game in the early 90s because of his free throw shooting. R.I.P. Cliff. We love you. Yeah. Um, I think that that's uh, – last question, we'll do this. Uh, D.A. Helderman, which pizzeria would you take Tom Crane to? Which pizzeria would I take Tom Crane to? Well, um, obviously. But he, he – uh, I like this question better. He was talking about, like – which coaches have the weirdest pizza preference? And I feel like he asked, like, what Josh Pastner, like, what he his go-to pizza is. And I feel like it's got to be the weirdest thing ever. Like, it's a frozen Red Baron with mushroom and sausage, but he has to peel all the cheese. But he, like, peels the cheese off. Like, he's one of those guys who has, like, this is weird, very strange, particular pizza preference. Like that, That's Josh Pastner to me. Yeah, I, I, I mean – Passer, I have no idea. Tom Crane, I would love to take him to Gaddy Town. I think he'd be a blast in oh, Gaddy Town. Like that's right Gattie up his Town. alley. You got the, I mean, the the bumper cars. Um, you know the. You know, I was a big, I was a big salad bar guy at Gaddy Town. Like totally underrated part of Gaddy Town was the salad bar. Um, Terrible. I, I, so, so what? There's still like the one Gaddy Town, like way out. Where is it? Like is it Shively? I forget. Yeah, there's one in the South End, but the one off Westport Road has been dead for like six years. Yeah, that's that's a shame. Very that was a good that was a good hangover spot. Um, we went to like our very last like high school dance, like when we went to that Sacred Heart. I think it was junior senior prom. We yeah. went to yeah, we went to Gaddy Land we, before the we dance. snuck in alcohol in Gaddy Town. Or we snuck Gaddy in alcohol. Land, a worker walked into the bathroom and was taking shots in a stall. I just stand up on the toilet. And this was like one week before like our baseball season got started. I like destroyed my finger playing air hockey. I was like, I was like, this is going to be a tough one to explain here. I was like, this is my, my finger's like blown up black and blue and I can't feel it because I'm already drunk. And I'm like, this is going to be, uh, we, we cannot sound like bigger. By the way, this conversation us saying like we snuck alcohol in the guy's house. We cannot sound like bigger losers. It sounds like like God. a super bad thing. It's like, do you guys go to a club? It's like, yeah. It's like got right in. It's like us taking shots in the bathroom at Gaddy Town. <laughs> Our junior senior prom was real crazy, actually. Uh, yeah. yeah. Had a great time. Definitely had sex. It was great. Oh yeah, got right in. Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, do you have a Dan and Dump story for this week to round up? But we've already talked long enough. But if you have a quick one, uh, not not for this week. I did want to give. A, Kind of switching gears here, a quick sentimental shout out. Um, my, uh, my uncle Phil, I call him my uncle Phil. He's my great uncle. Um, he, he passed away a couple weeks ago and I, he was actually the reason I became a Louisville fan. He lived in the, uh, in Louisville growing up in the eighties. And when I moved to Louisville, Kentucky, he actually moved to Fairfax, Virginia. But he was so awesome and nice enough that he would send his season tickets to our family, and he did it for 30 years. And, like, he's literally, like, him and my dad are the two sole reasons I became a Louisville fan. And just an awesome guy, um, definitely going to be missed. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, just I can't say enough good things about him, but I, I, I wanted to say something about him real quick. Yeah, Uncle Phil was an absolute legend. I loved talking to him the couple of times I got to. Uh, I remember at your wedding, we talked for a long time. And also, I got to thank him because you took me to a bunch of games, too, and with his tickets, and they were awesome seats. And, yeah, the dedication he had to, to UofL definitely 
deserves some respect. Definitely deserves a shout-out. So we love Uncle Phil. We're going to miss him. Uh, RIP to a legend. If you yep. haven't subscribed to the pod, uh, please do so. If you can give us a rating, leave us a review. We'll always read those on the pod. No new re- reviews for this week. Uh, the last one is still the guy who's saying it's like a holiday whenever we come out with a, with a new episode because we never deliver on our promises, which is true. But uh, we are going to have a new episode next week. We'll talk more about uh, Marcus Carr and whatever's going on on that front. And we'll also preview the uh, the Rutherford's big trip to Ohio, which uh, I'm very excited about. But until we talk to you guys next time, go Cards. Go Cards.